The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Nick Westergaard, author of Brand Now, How to Stand Out in a Crowded, Distracted World, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which is named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in the quickly changing field of modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or some other helpful resource that I know of for whatever situation you find yourself in, just connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. Also, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that takes the key insights from the best nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just a few minutes on your smartphone. Several of the books featured on the Marketing Book Podcast are on Blinkist. You can sign up for free at Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. Blinkist is spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. And if you opt for the paid version, you'll get an additional 20% off, but only if you go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. I also have a link to it at MarketingBookPodcast.com. I'll have more on Blinkist in a few minutes. And now on with the show. Today, we welcome Nick Westergaard back to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his brand new book, Brand Now, How to Stand Out in a Crowded, Distracted World, published by Amicom, which was recently acquired by HarperCollins. Nick Westergaard is a strategist, speaker, author, and educator. As chief brand strategist at Brand Driven Digital, he helps build better brands and organizations of all sizes, from small businesses to Fortune 500 companies. Nick is also the author of Get Scrappy, Smarter Digital Marketing for Businesses Big and Small. He is a contributor to the Harvard Business Review and host of the popular On Brand podcast. His thoughts have been featured in news sources such as U.S. News and World Report, Entrepreneur, Forbes, Mashable, the Marketing Book Podcast. That's not actually on his bio. I, I put that in. An, an interesting fact, he is a trekker. Nick, congratulations on Brand Now, and welcome back to the Marketing Book Podcast. I am happy to be here, Doug. Thanks for having me. So the last time we spoke, it was on your birthday, and I guess today's not your birthday because it's not March 25th, uh, as wow. I recall. But you know, when you're the Marketing Book Podcast host, you remember a lot of information that really doesn't help you much in the business world, but you know that March 25th is the big day for uh, for Nick Westergaard. One of the things I do love about being the host of the Marketing Book Podcast is that I get to meet so many cool people, but I don't think any of them are as cool as Nick Westergaard, and I'm going to tell you why with this excerpt from page 71 of his book. 
If you were to go through my personal effects, among them you'd find the following, blueprints for the Starship Enterprise, two Starfleet uniforms, my wife insists on calling them costumes, but whatever, autographs from William Shatner and James Doohan, and a Klingon dictionary. Yes, I am a Star Trek fan, a Trekker as we prefer to be called. Don't make the mistake of calling a fan a Trekkie. I was in peak fandom at the age of 13, old enough to hang out with my friends, also Trek fans, but not really old enough to go anywhere. We spent Friday night sleepovers daisy chaining VCRs together so that we could record our own personal copies of the original 79 episodes of Star Trek. I've told you before that I'm very cool, right? So, Nick, <laughs> you know, I, I everyone reads your books differently and, and different things pop out. And I just thought that is so cool. Well, sometimes the the best uh, I think it's the Elmore Leonard rule that the best writing uh, doesn't doesn't sound like writing doesn't feel like writing and for me that that's one of my favorite passages so I'm I'm glad you hooked into that uh, because it's it's just fun to be able to incorporate aspects of of your life and that for those who might think that brand now is a misnomer and that it is really just a a dark horse engine for a book about Star Trek lore. <laughs> It's, that it's is, not. <laughs> that is a lead into a chapter on community. And I think that the community of fans that brands build are incredibly important. And I think one of the best examples of that that I get into there is that kind of intro introductory hook is the brand that is Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're going to come back to that. And it's going to make a lot more sense as to why <laughs> he is talking about Star Trek. Nick, I haven't had a whole lot of books on the podcast about brands and branding, and careful listeners will know that I, you know, I've steered away from some of that. You know, Bob Hoffman, who's the ad contrarian, he's been on the show twice to talk about his books like uh, Marketers Are From Mars, Consumers Are From New Jersey, and his more recent <laughs> book, Bad Men. And he's, he's famous for saying there's no bullshit like brand bullshit. And I'm afraid I have to agree with him because there are – what seems to me like one too many books out there about branding, which seem to be, I don't know, I know I'm wrong here, but it's like 200 pages of some belief system, you know, <laughs> and they're not yeah. as practical. And Nick Westergaard, I'm here to proclaim from the rooftops, this is not a bullshit brand book. This is so practical, and I think this is one of the few brand books that somebody could hand to a CEO and say, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm not talking about arts and crafts party planning. Well, and I think that's, I, I, I think all of that is true. I mean, hopefully the the, the stuff about the, uh, I, I'm certainly proud of the book, but I would agree. It sort of reminds me of that Stephen King quote at the beginning of On Writing, I think says that most writing books uh, are bullshit. And I, I kind of think that the uh, the same thing on the brand front as well. And in, in thinking about that, I mean, that's really why I wanted to create something that was, as, as you noted, a bit more of a system, something mm -hmm. that people could implement, something practical and, and tactical. Yeah. And what I want to ask is, what is branding? <laughs> and why is it more important and more difficult now than ever before? And, and I'll come back in 45 minutes and see how you're doing. Right. Uh, exactly. Start with the easy ones. Well, I think it's it's funny. I open uh, because I work in marketing and branding is 
kind of drifts in and out, and sometimes it's the squishy bullshit that we don't like. But for me, it's it's really kind of when practiced correctly, it, it can really be the ball game, what it's all about. It can be a compass that guides your business through business decisions. I cite some examples of that in the book. And why it's more important, I think, you know, the subtitle of the book is Standing Out in This Crowded, Distracted World That We Find Ourselves In. And there are no shortage of companies, of startups, of interesting brands. And with the media tools that we have today, we can create tons of content, kind of stand out on the corner with with the pot and the spoon and bang on that as loud as we can. But the problem is everybody else is doing the same thing. So I think to cut through that and to stand out, we have to make sure that there's something interesting uh, behind that that marketing megaphone that we have now. And um, you know, it, it makes me think of a story that I, I tell early on in the book of why I wrote this book, and that is the the branding chapter in Get Scrappy. Speaking of that megaphone metaphor, is it was called the brand behind the megaphone. And in Get Scrappy, I wrote all of these very clear and concise, short, actionable chapters that I was really proud of. But the brand chapter got bloated. And I showed an early copy to to Anne Handley, who I'm sure listeners of the podcast are familiar with. Yeah, she was one of the very first guests. Awesome. Well, she is is one of the best. She wrote the foreword for Get Scrappy and has been a a, a marketing book mentor of mine. And uh, she very politely said, you have a lot of stuff about branding up there at the beginning, which was the polite way of saying that the branding chapter was about two and a half times the length of all of the other chapters. So I, that's kind of my first hint that I think this could be something else. So I kind of set the, 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 the mess that it was at the time aside and recast that as a scrappy brand blueprint to kind of just get people started, kind of dropping a pin there, knowing that that's something that I wanted to get back to. So I know you talk a lot about, you know, uh, other books that people are thinking about and their timelines for creating them. And for me, that was, that was kind of interesting because I sort of knew even at the time of writing that, that last book, what I thought the focus of my next project was going to be. But focusing on branding is hard. I, I, the, the other story I, I tell is, I teach at the University of Iowa, and the professor who teaches, I think it's brand management and strategic brand positioning, he was going on sabbatical for a year. So I had the opportunity to take over his courses, and I was excited to do so because I knew I wanted to tackle branding. And I think it's interesting about my process is that by developing a 12 to 16-week university course, to me, that kind of expands a topic in a way that helps me do prep work for for writing books. But it was daunting because branding is, you know, here's the the 45 minutes later part. It's uh <laughs> it's like the it's like the the bad greeting card fortune cookie stuff. It is everything and it is nothing. Yeah, and I think however, when you read this book, which is a short book and short books are harder to write, you have examples of companies that are doing the things that you talk about, this, this, this structure that you've got in here. And there's even others that come to mind of companies that are getting it right. 
And I think the the problem is, you know, signal from the noise. People don't, companies don't know what to focus on, and that's where the book is helpful. So you have in the, as you mentioned in the book, there's a, a brand now framework of, of seven parts, and wanted to talk about some of those or all, depending upon how much time we have. And I, I wanted to start, though, go back to that CEO or whoever that thinks that, you know, uh, this is all the, the mushy stuff. And I want to read this one part and ask you to comment. After one of my talks about branding, I'm often met off stage by people with their chests puffed out and a big smile on their face. They lean forward with pride and say, we just rebranded. As they roll back, they add, yep, we just redid our whole logo. With an awkward grin frozen on my face, I nod along and look for a way to change the subject. Where did you get that brownie? Nick Westergaard, why do you ask about brownies when you have people say things like that to you after a keynote? Uh, because I, 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 well, first of all, I hope that they will say it less after the new brand now keynote that I'm rolling out to go along with the book because I've never, never talked, uh, spoken about branding at, at length in the way that I am now. Are you going to include that in the keynote? Uh, yes. Oh, yes, I am. oh actually, it's that, called that conditioning a- your audience. You're right. I never thought about that until you just pointed that out. We're setting a new expectation uh, going out of the gate. But that that does happen a lot. And I think that – Well, it's a brand, brand is all about a logo, right? Uh, that's, 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 <laughs> this will be the, the shortest the, interview on the Marketing Book Podcast. That's the, that's the auditory uh, uh, version of the, of, the, of the brownie response. Uh, <laughs> and typically it's taken I, – I, I go to the brownies because – one brownies are awesome, but mm-hmm. two, uh, it, it it is so hard to unpack to this poor person that's really proud of what they've done, and I, I won't undercut even how hard it is to get buy-in on a new logo. That's yes. certainly very hard. It is, but it's very emotional, uh, and they and they should be proud. But your brand is so much more uh, than that. The logo is one of many touch points, and uh, and where I go with that is where logo uh the general concept is actually not on the uh or is on the right track is uh the original uh greek meaning of logos uh which is the logic behind an argument and from there i think you look at uh modern practice of logotherapy which like i say in the book i was hoping was a cool mashup of branding and psychology but uh, as, um, uh, as, as founded by Viktor Frankl, it's actually a description of uh, man's search for meaning. So that we're all looking to understand things, that that's one of our principal drives. So I use that awkward brownie conversation about the logo to get into a bigger discussion, uh, logo-related, uh, Greek logo, uh, of, of getting into the meaning behind your brand as well. And that's uh, the first dynamic that I unpack, and really one of the one of the most important ones, uh, I think, is to make sure that you stand for something. I think we look at some of the biggest, uh, strongest brands out there today, and we know um, the uh, the logos, the Greek logos. The, we know the logic behind them. Uh, I'm in San Francisco this week, uh, where I'm I'm premiering that new talk to avoid awkward brownie moments. <laughs> And I, I walk past a, a big Patagonia store, and that's a great example of that's not just a, uh, a 
somewhat pricey outdoor gear shop. Uh, it is, uh, that is, I know what the logo, uh, what the logic behind that argument uh, there is. I know what they're all about. Most of us do. I say Patagonia and anymore, that's, that's probably uh, the sustainability, uh, the social consciousness behind that brand might be uh, what people know about it more. Uh, I walked uh, out to get a cup of coffee this morning and had to grab a couple of items at CVS. And I remember the fact that they uh, somewhat dramatically uh, announced a couple of years ago they would no longer be selling cigarettes. And it sounds like a somewhat random bit of news, but they're a health company. And it's kind of mind-blowing that it took that long to say, you know what, we're about health. You know, you go back and forth, and we're on one corner, Walgreens is on the next. What if to stand out in the hearts and minds of people, uh, we doubled down on that health message and made sure people understood that uh, we're about health and cigarettes uh, run afoul of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you say that, uh, to use another Greek word, most of the Greek is in this first chapter. You say a brand is more than something you buy. It's an ethos you, you buy into, and it's something that people want to, to join. And if you have, uh, you know, if you want to build a standout brand, you have to have meaning in the hearts and minds of your customers. Let's talk about the third one, story. Nick, I, the word storytelling is becoming a somewhat uh, misunderstood marketing yeah. buzzword. What is a brand story and why is it so important, perhaps now more than in the past? To be clear, I, I agree with you too, because I, I think that kind of like branding, uh, story is one of those concepts in a business environment that we're a little bit leery of. We hear about it more than we did before, and it's one of those kind of quick, squishy things that it's hard to get our mind around. Yeah, Hansel and Gretel, right? Exactly. But story is actually a powerful construct um, in terms of how to stand out in the hearts and minds of your customers. So building on the the other dynamics that we've been talking about, uh, it is uh, there's the science that, that I get into in the book, which I, I love to geek out on. Uh, but basically what your brain does on story, it activates uh, all sorts of different areas responsible for um, – uh, responsible for uh, remembering things because we want people to remember and share our stories. Uh, but stories, basically, uh, when I start to tell you a story, you said Hansel and Gretel, once upon a time, when I start a story, I remember this one time, uh, your brain clicks in as well because our brains know stories. We like stories. And you start to mirror. If it's a scary story, you get a little tense as well. It's got a happy ending. Uh, you've got relief from that. If it's a sad story, you're moved. Uh, our, our brains kind of sync up in this really neat way. So if you can use story uh, on behalf of your brand, um, it, it can be really powerful. And I talk about a core story, so a story that is at the heart of who you are. But you can also use stories in the content that you share as well. Uh, but the core stories that I talk about, uh, I break down some of the different uh, story shapes, as Kurt Vonnegut called them, or uh, archetypes, um, and uh, some of the different ones that you can see in uh, different brands out there. Uh, we see um, 
you know, you talk about uh, overcoming the monster. You've got, you know, your Mac and your PC. You've got these these points of contrast. Uh, you've got the Quest. Uh, I talked about being in San Francisco, home of Salesforce. Uh, they are on a quest to help liberate uh, customers from uh, software uh, to put everything in the cloud. You know, for a long time, a key visual manifestation of that story was the word software with the Ghostbusters red slash through it. So mm-hmm. you see... That was the villain. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So there's all of these powerful storytelling tools that can help our audience remember our story. If you've got something, um, you know, like a... Uh, like like a villain in the overcoming the monster or the quest story, um, but it also helps us trigger other aspects of story as well. Uh, you talked about a villain, and I think talking about the friction in a story is key. Conflict, you know, in in business, a lot of times we want to round out the rough edges. Yeah, like a Thanksgiving dinner with your family. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't like any of that. So we don't we'll want just... any confrontation there. Right. So we'll we'll sand out those rough edges. But um, I think when it comes to the stories that we're telling about the pain that our customers are experiencing, I think when you can highlight that, you can really make a case for the role that your brand plays in that as well. Amen. So, yeah. And, and you know, things like voice too, I think are, are key as well. So all of these story aspects are key in helping build that standout brand. We're going to take a break here so I can tell you more about how Blinkist can help your career. Listening to the Marketing Book Podcast says more about you than you may realize. In addition to being physically attractive, seriously, I've met many of you and you are a very attractive audience. It also means that you're curious and serious about your business success and you enjoy learning new things. And your interest in learning also means you're either successful or will be because all the research indicates that big learners are big earners. Plus, with all the changes happening in marketing and sales, continuous learning is crucial. But there's only so much time, and you need to manage it carefully. And unless you're, say, the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, you may not be set up to read a book every week. That's where Blinkist can really be a time saver and a career booster. Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, is a smartphone app that takes the key insights from over 2,000 best-selling nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes or less. Instead of having to wade through hundreds of pages of a book, spending hours reading each book like I do every week, you can go through two books in 30 minutes. And the books that are on Blinkist are really top-notch, including several books that have been featured on the Marketing Book Podcast, including The New Rules of Marketing and PR by David Merriman Scott, Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday, Epic Content Marketing by Joe Polizzi, Everybody Writes by Ann Hanley, Hug Your Haters by Jay Bear, and many, many more. It took me hours to read those books, but you can get smart audio summaries of each one in just 15 minutes. 
Blinkist has been selected as one of the best apps by Forbes, New York Times, and BuzzFeed, amongst others, and it's used by over 1 million people. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer for Marketing Book Podcast listeners. Go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast right now, today, to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan when you join. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan. I recommend getting the yearly plan, that's what I did, and getting 20% off because you're going to want to keep it anyway. But don't worry because there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. No questions asked. Go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast, and that means you're going to be letting them know that you support the Marketing Book Podcast and that you want that discount. You'll get the free version or 20% off your annual plan. I also have a link to it at MarketingBookPodcast.com. It's a great, inexpensive, and very smart investment in your professional development and career. And now, back to the show. So Nick, Chapter four on content was my favorite chapter, and I am here to, uh, again, shout from the rooftops, it is worth the price of the book. Not that I had to pay for this one, but if you were to go out and buy it, (laughs) chapter four would be it. And your book is just too quotable, Nick, damn it. I'm going to have to quote from it one more time. You say, it used to be so easy. If you had a strong enough brand and an okay story, you could step up to the traditional media megaphone and broadcast your message to the masses. I'll spare you the marketing disruption lecture and simply say it doesn't work like that anymore. (laughs) Can you explain what you mean by the double-edged sword that is content marketing? Well, um, I I think I cite this in the book. Uh, Doug Kessler of Velocity Partners says that the the biggest problem with content marketing is is content marketing. Uh, (laughs) Except he probably dropped a few F-bombs in there. Right. It's... it's it's a great tool, and the only problem is everybody's figured that out. And we've yep. all none of this stuff. I think we all kind of get frozen in time that this stuff is all air quote new media, <laughs> and uh, we've been. I mean, content I, I get into um, as a um, as a very old form of media all the way back to poor Richard's almanac. Uh, you know, I have to think that even some of those first cave people were making cave drawings about trading them for a, uh, bigger, better club. Um, but uh, yeah, now we've, we we're all, I, if I hadn't made my spinal tap reference, I'd make it again. Now we've all got content marketing engines up to 11 here. So. Mm-hmm. This is a spinal tap friendly podcast. So I want you to just let that, you know, let it rip. But let me ask you, the, just the fact that content is one of the seven things in your book, I think would surprise, uh, I don't know, a lot of business owners. Uh, that content is one of the? Yeah. In other, in other words, oh, I hear, about, I, 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 I've been preaching this and, and I've seen how dramatically this can help uh, a company in the right situation, but it seems like uh, sometimes companies are trying to do everything but the content part. Uh, you know, I never really thought about it that way, and I, th- I think that that's key because content could, if you're looking at these, what is hopefully a, a, a big think brand system, it could look like a, maybe a tactical step. But I think beyond the individual pieces of content that you create, I think what you're alluding to is that big opportunity that comes with content and why it's such a huge opportunity for brands, uh, because it is an opportunity to position uh, your expertise, to um, 
to really have an impact on who you are as a brand by what you're creating. And that's directly related uh, why um, – you know, it's it's hard to have a favorite chapter of, of your own book, but I, I do think the the one two punch of the chapter uh, on on story and content mm-hmm. uh, those two really go hand in hand because story is about um, how you structure what you say, and um, content is really about how you share that that story with the world. Right, and I think another helpful thing for the listener would be if you could explain. Uh, what you mean when you say that standout content has two things. It's it's business-centric and it's customer-aware. Yeah, well, content itself is, uh, is, is tricky because it is – because there is so much of it. And we get into this create, create, create mode and we forget what makes good content. And it can be simple if we just remember to stop and think about it because it is focused on comp- accomplishing some sort of – of organizational objective, of informing your customer about this specific step at this specific stage of their buying cycle. Now, speaking of the customer, the other important thing that good content has to be is customer aware. It has to meet some sort of need on why they want to engage in it. <laughs> that's where it gets. That's where the, the boat gets missed. I think it does, and it's it's one of those things that I, I feel like some of these things are. Are so simple, but we keep missing them. I uh, yeah, sadly, you know, I, I just and I, I feel uh, some kinship on it. I just had Tom Peters on on my podcast, and I asked him. You'd appreciate this question. He's written seventeen books. I, I kind of said, uh, "How? I mean, well, why? How? How are you? How are there still things to talk about?" And he said, "You know, it's it's been however many years, and people still aren't getting some of these things." So he said. <laughs> Every sixty months, I get uh, mad enough that I that I write another book. Um, I'm, I'm, Interesting. I'm, you know, I, I'm a tame Midwesterner, so I'm uh, I'm 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 uh, you know conflict averse by nature. <laughs> uh, th- those those awkward Thanksgivings are are something that that my people specialize mm-hmm. in, and I think our Canadian listeners can empathize with that as well. <laughs> but um, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, in in thinking about all of that, I, I think that. We do miss out on on this need that we need to serve for the customer instead of we need to make a white paper about X. Sadly, I think that's where most of our most of our content marketing is is kind of fixed. Yeah, and there's just a few steps that get missed, and it just it's like for you and me, guys, you know, in the business here, it's like watching really uh, good food go to waste. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's just like it's they're going to launch that uh, spaceship into outer space, and the one thing they forgot was to plug in the the cord to the wall, you know, that, oh, it's just that one little thing. But enough about you, Nick. Let's talk about Star Trek. Let's go Go back to community. And that's why you talked about how, you know, in in, in building a brand, you need to embrace your fans and foster that same sense of community like like Star Trek does. Can you tell the story about the time you delivered the keynote to the International Roller Skating Association that there was one question they asked you and, and you had a very interesting answer for them? Yeah, uh, that was the the roller skate. Uh, I think it's RSA Roller Skating Association, the International Roller Skating Association. Yeah. Um, one when, when people ask what's the the most unique group you've ever spoken to, uh, that's that's my go to. So someone is uh, more than happy to. Uh, I'm more than willing if someone wants to hire me to see if they can overtake that mantle. But um, they asked me. 
very similar to one of your podcast questions, like what's what's one thing we can go do? You know, just kind of the overwhelmed business owner out there, and that's 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 a hard question, and I feel an obligation to answer it um, correctly. You know, with something that because these are big things, and these can take some of them months and years to get right. But what's a thing you can go back to your r- skating rink or whatever your business is and do, and the answer that I went with was focus on the people that are in your business today, right now. And how can you, back to the dimmer switch concept, how can you turn uh, that um, that experience that they're having with your brand today up to, to, to new levels? Mm-hmm. Um, Don't waste your time focusing on the wrong people. Yeah, and, and that's really one of the uh, – I, I uh, build some patterns of my own in this book and uh, – uh, in, in the chapter on community is one of the two chapters I get into how concentric circles can be one of the most effective organizational tools because concentric circles. Nick, you're clearly reading my screen here. You must be Edward Snowden's friend because that was <laughs> the other thing I wanted uh-huh. you to explain. Concentric circles. Ugh, I loved it. Yeah, and the circles of, of your community kind of builds on that answer from the uh, roller skating uh, association. And focusing on the people that are here today, because sometimes we, we, we're after this like mythical person that isn't even a customer. I mean, of course, everybody has to focus on prospects, but we are focusing on all of these people that, that aren't there yet. And I think we miss a couple of very critical um, subsets of groups of people that are close to our business. So I always say start inside and work out in terms of those concentric circles. And that inside circle are your employees, your team members, because those people, while they're not your customers, they are often delivering your brand experience and are a very big part of that. And often we're not even, there's some shocking stats on employees that aren't looped in on what the business that they work for is really trying to accomplish. And, um, I mean, you talk about sad stuff. Uh, to me, that's that's a huge missed opportunity if that group doesn't know. Then there's another middle circle that uh, is is totally missed in most cases, and that is is uh, made up of your vendors, uh, potential partners. I tell the story, IKEA um, has shipping partners that ships their stuff uh, out to um, – folks that want uh, items delivered to them and they like people are people in Iowa where there's no IKEA. Yes, sadly. Um and that aren't able to set foot in an IKEA store. I have, they're wonderful. Uh, but uh, there there was an item that I I talked about ordering and my experience with IKEA came down to uh those people that uh, had that delivered to them. And IKEA does a great job of making sure that those people understand their brand ethos as well. And then you get into the outer circles, which are your customers. But instead of looking at that as one homogenous group of customers, I say focus on those core customers first um, before thinking about your transactional customers and then out to those prospects. So as I say things like working out, that's where you get these ideas of uh, circles of community. 
And you mm-hmm. talked about brand gravity, and I think all of that has to be pulled in. So we want to move people from those outer circles to inner circles. We want our prospects to be transactional customers. We want our transactional customers to be better customers. And you know, you hear all kinds of stories over time of great customers, great partners uh, becoming employees and team members and taking the experience someplace new as well. So I think that brand gravity is something important to remember. Yeah, it's a great uh construct. Now, one of the others in the framework you have is is clarity. And you remind readers that you can't advertise your way to a better, stronger brand today. And you even quoted a, um, a former Patagonia executive saying that clarity is the new clever. So what do you mean? Explain a bit more about what you mean by clarity and why it's so important now. Well, yes, good because that that the all of that combined could sound a little uh, a little catchphrasey, and basically, you know, it used to be I talk about the the cigarette, you know, back to never thought about all the cigarette examples, but in this book, but um, uh, the the cigarette ads of more doctors smoke camels. You know, you used to be able to kind of get away around major problems with your brand by just oh yeah, we we ran some ads, and that's an extreme example. But all the time, you know, there used to be, you know, we run these tug at the heartstring ads and we'll go pollute a stream and do all these other things. That's harder to do today because because we have Google. We can look stuff up. We can see what you're really up to. However, I think there's still a lot of legacy thinking along those lines. Well, yeah, there's all kinds of, of greenwashing and um, all sorts of, you know, we care, but we're still going to be uh, categorically awful. And <laughs> I, I think that that's one of those areas that we, we really have to do a, a, a hard course correct on. And, and, and maybe as it relates to transparency now, we're all in a glass house and our supply chain is too. Everybody is, yeah, and the supply chain's a, a great, a great point too. It's not just about what you do; it's about what others that you're, you're in business with. I mean, mm-hmm. that's as we're um, recording this, and as has been in the news when, when, whenever this is out there, we've seen the whole uh, Facebook um, coming under fire with, uh, with, with Cambridge Analytica, and it's uh, that you know. I think they've tried to brush it off a little bit that, oh, that's someone that was an, an ad customer. And it's like, that's very much um, related to, to your brand as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Nike and Apple learned that years ago. And <laughs> Facebook might do well to uh, maybe learn a little bit about what, what those guys learned when they realized they had to take responsibility for uh, not just what goes on in their business, but uh, but outside as, as well. Now, you, you talked about the the roller skating folks and the and the the training of employees, whether it's Disney or a restaurant or um, you know uh, uh, any kind of B two B company, and it's the experience, which is of, of course I'm not surprised it was one of the seven elements in in your framework, and you know the experience your customers have now really is your 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 best marketing. But can you talk a bit about the what you call the experience problem? Uh, yes, uh, that is. I love finding sets of stats that uh, say seemingly, I don't know, contradictory things or uh, kind of. Uh, it just kind of lets the air out of the balloon. But there's an overwhelming majority of us that agree with with what you just said, that experience is one of the biggest things out there. It's one of the most important aspects of branding and marketing today. 
And then the follow-up question, how many of you all think that your business excels at experience? And that number, compared with the 80% that think experience is something that we all love and respect, only about only 13% of us think that <laughs> we're doing an okay job of it. So obviously, there is a huge experience gap that could be closed up here as well. So uh, we, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I think there was a, that was a, if I'm not mistaken, it was a study like Bain had done or I think where they said like 80 or 80 something percent of companies thought they were giving a good experience and it was only 13% of the customers that said, yeah, it's, it's a good experience. And, and people, I think, you know, in the past people, you could treat these people badly or not meet their expectations. And there were only so many people they could tell. But now if uh, you break a, uh, a guitarist guitar and you're an airline looking yeah. at you United Mm-hmm. And you don't respond to the fact that you destroyed this guy's guitar. He he writes a uh, a song, puts it on YouTube called "United Breaks Guitars," and if I'm not mistaken, it got big pickup. The value of their stock dropped ten percent. Yeah, yeah, it's it's huge. It's enough that that guy uh, Dave Carroll makes <laughs> a very good living as a customer service speaker now. <laughs> uh, so good for him. You know, and it's funny because it does get back to that old thinking of clarity that, oh, it doesn't matter. Because I think the airlines are going to be some of the last ones to move off of that for whatever reason. And I don't know if it's because we still need to fly somewhere and it's an expensive business to be in and, and the, the the competition is, is kind of what it is. Uh, but I, I think that you think about all this, it's brand equity and you can draw it down. Uh, and you can spend it sometimes if you need to. But I, I just wonder at, at what point will uh, a company like that have, have drawn it down uh, more than what they have in the bank? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the last things I want to ask you about uh, to talk about is you, you talk about uh, how some people, at, I guess, larger companies, they're sort of the brand police. Um, and that led into this discussion of how great brands demonstrate unity not uniformity. Can you talk about the the brand consistency versus the brand coherence concept? Yeah, yeah. Um, And that is, I think, when we think about experience, it gets back into the trap of... (laughs) All this stuff is kind of squishy branding, so I think we try to make it systematic. We try to apply checklists to it. And I think consistency. Okay, as long as everything looks alike, as everything's got this color. I mean, I think we've all... We've, many of us have probably been called the brand police. I know I have, but I know that I've also, at, at different times in my career or different uh, professional relationships that I'm in where I get brand standards, I'm like, Ugh, I'm not going to do that. And we, we have these standards forced upon us that are too systematic, that it's this unruly template that doesn't work for anybody. Um, instead of thinking more about coherence uh, and about I talk about consistency versus coherence. I talk about uh, uniformity, everything's the same, versus unity of everything means the same thing. So there's a lot of different ways to get at that and a lot of different touch points that are part of your process um, that can uh, help paint that bigger picture that doesn't always mean that everything is the exact same size font with the exact same colors everywhere all the time. Yeah, like Google's homepage where Absolute. Yeah, they have a lot of unity, but then they'll change up their logo and have fun with it. Well, and and, and you talk about their logo and they 
uh, it's funny we come full circle back to logos, but I do think there's some touch points in there. When they uh, rolled out their new logo a few years ago, it was drastically simplified and beyond just oh, that Google logo is different, the aspects, it included uh, a color system. A very simple color system. Very simple color system uh, that is uh, very parallel in its appearance, its look, its feel to the Android um, operating system experience, to that Google Chrome icon that I'm looking at right now in my dock. So it's these things that are uh, all... uh, that there's unity among them without some sort of strict uniformity to them either. Mm-hmm. So, Nick, if, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? Standout brands stand for something. That would be what I would, I would say if, if there's one thing to go think about. It is what is it that people are really connecting with your brand about? You know, Zappos, it's easy because the name is is even a, a relative of, of the Spanish word for shoes, uh, Zapatos. But mm-hmm. Zappos is not a shoe brand or even a an online clothing brand. They are uh, a business of remarkable service. So that's really what we're buying there as well. Yes, that's a great answer because that standing for something is very much baked into throughout the book. A standing for something. It's and uh, you even we didn't have time to talk about it, but you know, taking a stand for you know even political. Uh, you know that's yeah. that's dangerous for some, but some are some some are doing that. So, are there any uh, recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to reading? Um, I, I mean, you, uh, you you rub elbows with a lot of authors, you know, so. Well, I just read Tom Peters' book, and what I love about, I'd forgotten, because he's got so many books, and there's a few that are out there, Tom Peters, Seth Godin, and I, it was kind of that moment with uh, with prepping for that interview, where I realized I've been reading his books for about as long as I've uh, been thinking about business as a, as a grown-up, uh-huh. and uh, it'd been a while since I'd uh, that that I looked at one of his books and I'd forgotten how different they are. They've got these short kind of bursts. It's very much uh, like Tom talks, and they've got these great big. Uh, I think it's it's like impact font headings that are uh, for these subheadings. And sometimes, uh, just like if you see him in a talk, he kind of shouts something out. And in the middle of some paragraph, he'll just set uh, certain words a lot bigger. And I mean, I, I love it because you can hear his voice, but as someone that is in the book business, and I would think that uh, listeners of this podcast have an affinity for those types of books, um, I think that what goes into a Tom Peters book, that experience that you have of that is 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 kind of one of a kind. So I, I'd point people to any of Tom's books, but his latest, uh, The Experience Dividend, is, is great too. Oh, okay. We'll make sure to include a link to that at uh, marketingbookpodcast.com. The Excellence Dividend. See, I was one track mind with experience. I was... I was I was being a little too consistent. <laughs> the excellence dividend. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll link we'll link up to that. Um, so, how best can listeners learn more about you and your new book? Uh, if you head to nickwestergard.com, you can find the hub for all things Nick Westergaard. It's sort of like uh, Nick Westergaard Topia. It, it sure. Yes, and, it and is. And that's two A's in there. Two A's in your last name. And I realized that extra vowel uh, cost more. <laughs> 
And, it you know, does. That's, I spare no expense. And, and we appreciate that. Um, and I also, there was one other funny thing in the book. You talked about some t-shirt that said, Iowa, 75% vowels, 100% awesome. You betcha. Oh, and, and that's made by a company I talk about in the book called Raygun. Raygun. Which I'm going to bring it all back to Star Trek. My favorite Raygun shirt is the one that I have packed on this trip, a quote of Captain Kirk's. It says, no, I'm from Iowa. I only work in outer space. <laughs> we'll try to include a link to uh, to Raygun's uh, website uh, in your Great show notes. Shirt. So um, there's also a section there for uh, the book. Uh, at Nick Westergaard. It's also, if you go to brandnowbook.com, you'll, you'll be sent right there. Um, and on, uh, you're very consistent there. You, on Twitter, you're Nick Westergaard. And uh, so if you're uh, on Twitter, uh, say hello to Nick. Thank him for being on the podcast. My Twitter handle is marketingbook if you want to add me to the conversation. I'll also include a link to your LinkedIn profile. And for the listener, if you're listening on your smartphone and you have subscribed to this show on your podcast player like iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play Music, all these links can be found by going into this episode on your podcast player and clicking on the show notes link. The name of the book is Brand Now, How to Stand Out in a Crowded, Distracted World. The author is Nick Westergaard. Nick, thank you very much for coming back to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you, sir, for having me. And that closes the book on episode 173 of the Marketing Book Podcast. For more, check out this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. If I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or other helpful resource, please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Special thanks to our sponsor, Blinkist, to support the Marketing Book Podcast and start your free Blinkist trial or get 20% off your yearly plan. Visit Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. I also have a link to that special offer at MarketingBookPodcast.com. And please join us next time as we welcome Jean Bliss back to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about her new book, Would You Do That to Your Mother? The Make Mom Proud Standard for How to Treat Your Customers. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.